You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. This week, Bill Center of Padres.com, along with David Jay and John Conniff of Mad Friars, are joined by Padres Director of Player Development, Sam Ganey. We're breaking down the first half, movement of starting pitchers around the All-Star break, Michelle Baez and other Cuban pitchers, and much more in this edition of the Padres On Deck Podcast. Good morning, Padres fans. Welcome to the latest edition of Padres On Deck Podcast. This is your host, Bill Center. Of course, I'm with uh, I'm at Padres.com, and my Twitter handle is at Padres, uh, excuse me, Padres Central is my Twitter handle. I'm joined today by David J. and John Conniff of Mad Friars at MadFriars.com and at Mad Friars on Twitter. And we are honored today to have the uh, Padres uh, Director of Player Development, Sam Ganey, with us. Sam, how are you? I'm doing excellent, Bill. Thank you for having me. And uh, always good to catch up with you and as well as the guys from Mad Friars. Sam, we've had a lot of movement recently in the uh, Padres uh, system, uh, particularly pitchers moving up. And I was wondering if you could just uh, go over quickly a couple of those moves and what they mean. And uh, we're going to be seeing more as the season progresses. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I think probably starting with the group of guys who had, uh, you know, two left-handed pitchers and Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese, who had excellent first halves with the Lake Elsinore Club, uh, as well as last year's first-round pick, Cal Quantrill, have all seen, uh, they've all made now a starter two at the double-A level. And, uh, you know, I, I think when we when we broke camp and in April, I don't believe there was, you know, a, a firm number of starts in mind for these guys. There was uh, some, some goals, whether it be pitch development or – um, you know, mechanical, you know, things we wanted to see happen from this group, as well as, uh, you know, perhaps some, some goals in the, in the weight room and on, on the health side of things. And uh, so once those guys kind of met our, our goals for them, we, we felt it was appropriate to move them up. Um, and the opportunity to move them, you know, they didn't all move at the exact same time, but move around a, a similar time. I think there were some positives to that as well. Um, so, you know, and, and as far as looking forward, I, I think we're kind of probably a, a couple levels down below. There might be some, some movement upwards. Uh, you know, I think we have a, a Fort Wayne club that is playing very, very well. And, uh, you know, there might be some, whether it be some guys from this year's draft or some guys off that Tri-Cities club might be deserving of uh, promotions as well to, to you know, even bolster what is uh, a club that's got off to a very strong start in the second half and should be playing competitive, meaningful games for the remainder of the season. Interesting yesterday that uh, Javier Guerra moved, uh, you promoted him from Lake Elsinore to uh, San Antonio, and that immediately set off a tweet. To, um, uh, I got a lot of tweets after that saying, does this mean Tatis is going to Lake Elsinore? Uh, I'm going to throw that one right to you. No problem for the question. Uh, 
Fernando is gonna is gonna stay in Fort Wayne for the time being. Um, you know, we are you know we've looked at the makeup of that Elsinore club going forward. Um, you know, it's gonna give us an opportunity, honestly, to to allow Rudy Heron to play some shortstop, which uh, you know obviously he did in 2015 in Fort Wayne, and 2016 in Fort Wayne, um, and also Chris Baker will fill in there as well. Get some opportunities there, so uh, the move there will probably be to add some uh, some support to the outfield. There is that group has been a little banged up, and like Elsinore, uh, with with Michael Getty's down, uh, but improving. And uh, again, alluding to uh, you know, as, as I kind of mentioned about that Fort Wayne club, Fernandez had a, a very very uh, promising, encouraging year, and has been very pleased with. Uh, the year he's had, and there's uh, continues to be things that you know continue to want to see from him, and he's he's answered a lot of our uh, you know kind of our our inquiries this year, and has had a very very strong year as I alluded to. But um, you know for the time being, the, the plan would be to, to keep Fernando where he's at with that club. John, go ahead. Uh, hi, Sam. My question for you is um, on some of the Cuban pitchers that you've had. You know, Michael Baez has had a lot of success. How much how much did he improve from when you saw him at the beginning of spring training until now? Because when I saw him in, I think when I saw him in March with you, his fastball command wasn't anywhere near what it's been in Fort Wayne so far this year. That's a good question, John, as it relates to uh... – to Michelle, as well as a couple of our other Osvaldo and, and Michelle, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, I, I think what you saw was probably there. And, um, he did, I, I think, uh, I think definitely the Michelle that we're seeing the bias that we're seeing now, uh, is very much in line with the reports that, you know, international director, Chris Kemp and his staff, uh, cross checker, Trevor Chum, uh, David Post, a lot of the group who saw him, um, and I think there's an adjustment period as these guys get over and, you know, they kind of mesh the routines that have, have worked for them and the throwing schedule that has worked for them was when they were part of either the, you know, member of the Cuban national team back home or going through a, a tryout circuit, which often doesn't mirror what they will face in pro ball. Um, so there's a, usually a bit of an adjustment period as those guys get comfortable Um but, uh, you know, it start, It very much started as he kind of got into the flow of things during extended, leading into when we were uh, able to send him out to Fort Wayne. Uh, we started seeing, uh, you know, characteristics of, of what we're seeing right now as far as you know, a really kind of an impressive fastball that plays, a good breaking ball, and, and a ton of strikes. So uh, maybe a little after you and I saw him that, that day, uh, but – pretty he's been on a roll pretty pretty much even though i know he's only been out uh for a handful of starts hey sam i was just gonna jump in uh you know the the questions we get asked the most obviously have to do with uh with uh the guys who are high profile who are not yet uh active with the with the organization um, just quickly, you know, you had McKenzie and uh, Keating make their system debuts. Uh, what can folks expect from uh, the other high schoolers out of the draft? And then obviously looking up to, to Elsinore and, and a status update on uh, on a, a certain right-handed pitcher who's been 
fairly popular topic of conversation on on Twitter. Sure. Um, in regards to kind of obviously, I, I had a chance to see Andy Dowding. Um, got to see Sam for a bullpen this week, so very much pleased and happy to, to get those out pitching. I want to see those guys um, in the next week to ten days, perhaps two weeks. Um, you know, their their build up is based on, and I, I know it's a popular question and um, a little kind of behind the scenes of how we view both our college and our high school kids when, you know, when they come to us, there's a, there's an assessment of, um, you know, what their workload was like throughout the course of the season, which oftentimes is not restrictive. Um, you know, pretty much everyone is going to get an opportunity to pitch with us this summer, but a big thing is more um, the kind of how recently they were on the mound pitching competitively because, you know, anytime you have to start and stop guys, um, you, you definitely want to be cautious and, and not rush anything. Um, so, you know, with, with the big left-hander from Hawaii and, and um, as well as um, Noel Vela as well is, is also impressed and is in the early things we've seen high school lefty from Texas. Um, we'll see those guys fairly soon, but um, – you know, I, I think their timelines were just a little, a little different based on kind of when they had most recently thrown. Um, in regards to Anderson, um, you know, I had a chance to see his first bullpen yesterday in Arizona, uh, which all was coming out very, very well. So very much a positive, uh, positive trend with him. And uh, I think the plan would be to get him back on the mound probably sometime this weekend, a couple more bullpens. But, uh, you know, we really don't want to haven't want, have tried to avoid kind of setting any timelines uh, until we got to this point where we got him on the mound and he's feeling great, um, but definitely a positive day in that uh, got him back on the mound for the first time in a while yesterday. Sam, for a final question, I want to return to Fort Wayne and the recent success they've had. Uh, as we know, they had five of the 10 youngest players in the uh, Midwest League to start the season. Is this recent success a case of all these young kids getting their feet on the ground and, and having some success and, and just maturing as players? Very much so. Um, you know, I, I, I know I spoke to, to David and, and uh, John about this, you know, throughout the course of the year. Uh, you know, as we went in there, as our staff, our group of coordinators um, would make our travels through, and even some of our scouts and baseball operations staff, I think everyone kind of came back feeling and kind of commenting on the same thing that you know, this group was definitely going to be okay, for lack of a better word. And obviously, there were some you know some team bit, team level struggles, and even some some individual players that were um, kind of going through some you know initial bumps in their first professional full seasons. Um, and as you as you alluded to, obviously the youth on that club um, probably explains a lot of those initial struggles. Um, but, you know, I think we always kind of saw the collective group as a, as a group that would, um, you know, by the time the second half rolled around that, you know, things would start to kind of turn for them. Um, and, you know, we've, we've definitely seen that both in terms of individual performances, as well as uh, it's been very fun to kind of see the team, uh, play well together, uh, as kind of I alluded to earlier in the call. So it's it's been very fun to to be around that group and kind of uh, reflect on some of the seasons that those guys have already had and kind of where they started in April and see some of the, you know, whether it's uh, Ronaldo Villarasa very much improving, um, Eric Hudson Potts, Buddy Reed. There's there's a lot of of good success stories, um, you know, of guys that have made made some.
quality adjustments and kind of up their game. Uh, I got one more question for you. Recently, Hansel Rodriguez moved to the uh, bullpen and uh, struggled early in the season as a starter and has recently worked well as a reliever. Is that a temporary change or is it a permanent change? Where do you see him? We've definitely been been excited with the you know what you've seen and obviously you know our group having a chance to kind of see it in person. I, I know that from a performance standpoint and what the uh, what our what our fans are seeing just following him and kind of seeing him post a lot of zeros and a lot of crooked strikeout numbers on a nightly basis out of the pen. It's definitely exciting. Um, you know, it, it's I think when you look at his arsenal, I think we a lot of us probably already have kind of had an idea that it might play up so to speak out of the, in a, a bullpen. Uh, role, um, and you know we've definitely seen that the fastball has been kind of working in the you know 94, 96 mile an hour range, and a very very good slider that is I think even better with kind of that increased velocity uptick that he sees now that he's in shorter stints. Um, you know he's definitely having success in that role. I don't think we ever um, you know kind of would lock ourselves into to anything going forward with him, but um, you know. For guys who kind of had some ups and downs over the course of the year, I think, uh, you know, we, we definitely like the role he's in right now, and uh, we'll probably stay down this road for a little while with him. Great. Hey, Sam, I know, uh, gosh, thank you very much for joining us. I know you've got some traveling to do, so we'll let you hit the road. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hope to talk to you again soon. No problem, Bill. Anytime, and uh, good to check in with you guys as well, uh, David and John. Have a good trip. See you out on the road, Sam. See you guys. Bye-bye. So now we're down to three. David, John, how you doing? I didn't have a chance to really say good hello when we started today. How are you, you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. I'm getting set on Saturday. I'm going to be flying out to uh, see the Dust Devils in Pasco, so I have a 6 a.m. flight from the East Coast, Bill, and I'll make sure I give you a call uh, when I get on the plane. So don't worry about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> John, uh, discuss that trip just a little bit. Uh, how long are you going to be there? What do you expect to see? And uh, who are you looking forward to seeing most? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like our, our, you know, one thing that might help for people out there, it's kind of like our typical trips that both David and I do take, is that, you know, we go out there and we watch the players, but a really big thing is we, talk to the beat reporters and uh, the announcers who see these guys play for about a, you know, hundred games a year. And it gives us a good idea what's going on out there. As far as who I'm interested in seeing, you know, Adrian Morhon is the first guy that comes to mind. Looking forward to seeing Luis Almanzar, another big prospect the Padres had, you know, and a couple other guys, uh, Trey Carter, who's a bit of underrated prospect. He's kind of been struggling lately. So it uh, should be fun. It should be out there for about four games. And uh, on the next show, I'll give you guys a full rundown. Plus, you get to see the guy who right now is, is, is I'm intrigued by, Robbie Podarski, who uh, had a good <laughs> game last week. I mean, he goes he goes from the Arizona Fall League, I mean, the Arizona Rookie League to uh, Tri-Cities and immediately has a six-hit game. Uh, he's a five-foot-eight outfielder who the Padres took in the 25th round. Really interesting. I, I, every day, one of the things I check first is Robbie Podarski. <laughs> yeah, He's I think the like five eight is probably pretty. Yeah, the the five eight's pretty generous on him. I saw him uh, when he reported out to the Peoria Complex. You know, obviously off to a great professional start. Uh, you know, I think he's 
reach base now as many times in about uh, 20 minor league games as he did in his college season for McNeese State down in uh, Louisiana this year. Uh, you know, it's it's always good to see a late round guy get a get a chance to uh, start off as hot as he has. I'm going to change, and we're going to go straight to the Cubans if we could. Uh, of course, okay. uh, Sam already discussed uh, Mikel Baez. I know you guys saw him in the spring. Uh, Jorge Ona is beginning to come on again. Uh, who? I'll give you both a chance, starting with David, to discuss what you've seen in the Padres' Cuban prospects thus far and what you expect to see in the future. David. Sure. Sure. Well, uh, you know, Baez was a little bit late getting going this year uh, with the with the shoulder thing that slowed him down. I, I think the organization had wanted to have him out of Fort Wayne a lot earlier than he got there. But uh, certainly by the time I got out to extend it in June, uh, he was very much the, the talk of the backfields. And what we've seen in his first uh, three games out at, at Fort Wayne is uh, what we were hearing from people. You know, the, the fastball velocity ticked up. The feel for uh, both the curve and the change had uh, really shown up. I, I out in Peoria uh, talked with a scout who was saying that the Tirso Arnelas, the, the big uh, outfielder from Mexico who the, who is out in the complex league, had had a fantastic spring and didn't matter what anybody threw to him, he was going to put a good swing on it. Uh, about five minutes later, Bias threw a, a one-two change up to him, and he flailed as badly as I've ever seen anybody. And uh, the the follow-up comment was, well, I mean, if if somebody else throws him something, because nobody's going to get a good swing against this guy. So, uh, you know, I think I think he's performing uh, the way people saw through the spring. Uh, you know, Bolaño's been out there at Fort Wayne as well, getting settled in a little bit. Um, you know, trying to figure out how to make the the off-speed stuff work with his fastball that that has nice run to it. And then you've got some of the the younger pitchers. In addition to Marahone uh, up in in Tri City, they also send Osvaldo Hernandez up there. Uh, he's not striking a lot of guys out yet, but but uh, you know has, has settled in pretty nicely. And uh, then down in uh, in the complex, you've still got uh, Ramon Perez back there. He's the youngest of the group at 18, and uh, still fighting for for command a little bit. But uh, he's a guy who I know. Uh, several folks inside and outside the organization are are impressed with what he has from the left side. So there's certainly a lot to to look at there, and and you know that's obviously a really different profile than the rest of that big J2 class that the July 2 class they had last year. But um, you know it, it gives them two parallel tracks with the international talent that they that they spent so heavily on this last winter. John. Well, that was pretty good. I like that that description by David. The one thing I would kind of say, the difference is there's kind of a natural comparison between the Cuban guys and the Dominican ones. Many of the Cuban guys have played much more organized baseball than the Dominicans. So, in fact, you see a little bit more polished players. One difference, too, in the pitchers, while they kind of off to a late start, was a couple of the guys told me on Fort Wayne is so many of these guys aren't used to pitching every five days. They would pitch about – once every two weeks. So it took him a while really to get into that routine, kind of as what Sam was saying. Another guy who's been very impressive when I saw him in Fort Wayne was Jorge Onya. I mean, his his on-base is still ticking up at 369. He's a power hitter. I think you're going to see a, a lot more power from him next year than this because you got to remember, 
the numbers he's putting up are particularly impressive when he didn't play last year too. And I mean, Onya has built, I think I've said before on this podcast, you know, like an outside linebacker. I mean, he is a, he is a big man. So uh, he could be a lot of fun down the road. It's always interesting early in the season with the Latin players when they wind up in Fort Wayne when they're playing those first games in 40-degree weather. <laughs> it's, it's something like they've never seen before. Um, you know, uh, let's, let's review the first half a little bit. And I'm going to give you both a chance to, um, if you had to write one storyline from the first half of the Padres minor league season, uh, what would you know? What would be your take? Would it be a player? Would it be an overview? Uh, John, we're going to start with you first. Oh, I'd go a player. I think I've I've beat his drum far too much, but I think Tatis has been the most impressive story because of you know the potential of what he could become. I mean, a, a power hitting large middle infielder. So for me. Uh, that's the main story. There's been a lot of good ones, especially in all the pitching that the organization has had. But for me, it'd be Tatis. And David. I'll zoom out a little bit to to more of a, a system-wide storyline. Um, you know, obviously the the delay for Espinosa is is a disappointment. But really, this is the second consecutive year where. If you, you know, it, on April one made your list of who are the ten guys you've got to see significant progress from in the year um you know the good news is most of those guys have made progress you know there there have certainly been a couple of guys who who step backwards or or not progress the way you'd want but sort of across the board not just Tatis but the the other younger infielders out at Fort Wayne you look at that pitching staff that started the year in Elsinore uh the step forwards they've taken uh even some of the lesser known Pitchers up at Double A. You look at at Daniel De Los Santos, at at Brett Kennedy, uh, at Michael Kelly. So I think that's that's a storyline that's that's a, a positive one for the organization. Um, I think you know a lot of that is obviously a tribute to the players involved, but I I do think that the group that's running player development at this point uh, on the field and day-to-day with the players involved, uh, you know, Luis Ortiz on the position player side, uh, the the pitching coordinator group of Mark Pryor and uh, Gorm Heimuller and uh, uh, Eric Young as well. I think all of those are, are guys who deserve a lot of credit for, for getting some of these guys from interesting talents to on-field production. I, David, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, you start with somebody like Michael Kelly, who was, you know, 48th overall pick mm-hmm. a few years back, and didn't really, didn't really make any waves, and all of a sudden he's picked it up. And you see that throughout the organization. I mean, guys that you expect to move, Lauer and Quantrell, they they're moving up, but Lucchese. I mean, just the number of players that have advanced and done well at the next level. I mean, overall, there is reason for optimism. You know, I'm going to go for a quick second here, guys. I want to go to the Dominican Republic because there are two pitchers there that really intrigue me. And I mean, Dominican Republic's a long way from San Diego. But I'm speaking of Moises Lugo, who is the son of a gra- the groundskeeper there, lives about two blocks from the development and is pitching well. And then a 17-year-old native of Tijuana named Martin Carrasco. And I'm wondering, 
did when you were in, uh, I, I guess these guys haven't been to uh, Arizona yet, but what do you know of them? Well, yeah, so both of them were part of the group that was left behind in the Dominican for spring training, so uh, didn't get really a, a chance to see either one at all. You know, Carrasco obviously was a guy who signed right on July 2nd of last year. Uh, he's He is the local kid from Tijuana, uh, one of several uh, Tijuana locals who, who signed, so, um, but, you know, trying to read much into the sat lines in, in the DSL, I, I think trying to read much into stat lines most anywhere is, is a tough job, especially in the DSL. That's true. Um, you know, you look at a guy last year who put up uh, really spectacular numbers uh, for that DSL club, Omar Fernandez, who's a lefty who came over this year, who, you know, does it mostly with smoke and mirrors. So, and, and is struggling a little bit in the ACL. So I think un, until right. you can get a, a firsthand look at any of them, it's uh Worth noting, it, it is worth paying attention to, but not dwelling on. I agree. When we get a big budget bill, we'll we'll let you know what those guys are like. Dave and Alex go out to the Dominican <laughs> Republic and eat some fungo, and we'll give you a call. We'll give you a full scouting report. Okay. Hey, um, closing thoughts from both of you about what you've uh, seen, uh, what you're looking forward to seeing, and what you've uh, what you're seeing right now. We'll start with John. I'm looking forward to a couple of the pitchers in Fort Wayne, uh, Mason Thompson and Reggie Lawson picking up a little bit more. We've seen some signs that uh, they've had some good outings recently, and those are two guys from the last year's draft that, that should be fun to watch. We're going to keep on monitoring what's going on with the recent draftees, and uh, I would keep an eye on a guy that both Bill and I like a lot. I would keep an eye on Michael Kelly. He's had a couple good outings in El Paso, and we might be seeing him in San Diego sometime soon. Uh, and for me, uh, it, it's hard to find myself saying this, but I think I'm actually looking forward to being out in Phoenix in August, a uh, chance to see the, the kids out at the complex. Um, you know, it was, it was good to see them at Extended, but, uh, you know, actually in game competition against other folks is, is a different experience, even if it is 110 and there are four people watching them. So uh, looking forward to that. And then, you know, what, what the Sport Wayne Club does down the stretch, I think it's going to be uh, really interesting. You've got a guy like Pedro Avila who stepped back uh, from Elsinore and has been really on fire down there. Um, and, you know, you look at that group and the likelihood is at this point, you know, that that's the club that has a real good shot at making a playoff run that Elsinore roster i think it's going to be a, a long summer for them and so uh how the how those kids together in fort wayne do uh pushing uh through august and and as as they all get stretched out for you know what is for most of them their first full-length professional season uh should be a, a fun group to watch i'm going to see if i can sneak in a trip out there at the end of the season by last count i had 10 players uh under 20 at uh, Fort Wayne. Uh, very interesting to see how they hold up over those. You know, now they're now they're in a pennant race for the second half title uh, in the division. It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out for them. Uh, guys, I want to thank you. Uh, we're going to wrap up this edition of Padres On Deck podcast. Again, they are David J. and John Connor of madfriars.com and on Twitter you find them at madfriars and I am Bill Center of padres.com and you can tweet me at, at padrescentral 
guys. It's been a good one this time. It's really been a good one, and I appreciate you, and we'll talk to you in two weeks. Take care, Bill. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Bill.